Hey dad, doesn't our church volunteer at the food pantry and clothes closet? Yeah, in fact, our turn is coming up soon. If someone wanted to volunteer, what do they need to do? Well, they just need to contact Linda Morris, or contact the church office, or they could just fill out the tear tab inside their bulletin. This Valentine's Day, Cameron UMC is offering free childcare from 5 to 10 p.m. We will have pizza, games, and a movie for your children while you go on a hot date. Please grab a registration form at the information desk in the entryway. You can return it to the church office or give it to Don Gebauer or Kobe Pulse. Please turn it in by February 12th. Thank you. Well, welcome to worship this morning. Are y'all awake? All right. Are you conserving energy for this afternoon? No conserving energy until this afternoon. Right? Um, you know, I, I often wonder, you know, um, I, you all know I enjoy sports, right? Um, in fact, some folks have, have uh, noticed that my collar doesn't have an arrowhead, but it's got birds and a bat. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I often wonder, you know, we, we can go... Uh, we, we go and spend money to go to these games, and, and uh, we get all excited and riled up, and, and we can cheer and we can yell. Um, and every Sunday, you've got an opportunity to come and sit here. We don't charge any admission, and you're invited to stand up and cheer and celebrate, um, because um, when we worship God and we follow God, we have much to celebrate. Um, we don't have to worry that we're on the losing team. Yes? Um, and so I hope that as we gather together today, um, you will not conserve your energy, but in fact, um, you will use all of the energy that you would use to, uh, to shout and um, celebrate the Chiefs' victory. Um, you would use all that energy this day um, also. Um, I want to remind you this morning to uh, fill out the attendance sheet, uh, put this in the offering plate. When you come forward for communion, you'll be invited to... Uh, I need two stools up here. Uh, you'll be <laughs> invited, or maybe we'll put them here on the chair. You'll be invited to uh, put your attendance sheets and your offering in the offering plates, which will be uh, here in the front or there in the back as you take communion. I also want to remind you or, or let you know that on uh, February the 23rd, we're going to have a special worship service. Um, 
what we are calling a new traditions worship service. Um, we are going to uh, do worship a little different, and we're going um, to use uh, some more non-traditional um, songs on that Sunday. And so we want to invite you all to come, uh, to invite other folks to come um, as, um, as we um, celebrate worship in a slightly different way on that Sunday. And so I hope that you'll come and mark your calendars for that. I also want to remind you that after worship today, um, you are invited to stay. Um, it, it'll be the beginning of the pregame show. Well, maybe not. Um, but you're invited to stay, and we're going to have uh, our quarterly communications uh, update for the church. Um, and um, as part of that, um, I'll be talking about um, the, the proposal that was announced in December um, and, and also talking about our general conference, United Methodist General Conference that comes up in May and what that might mean uh, for the church or what you all need to know. So I hope that you will plan on staying. It doesn't matter whether or not you're a member of the church or not. Um, if you um, are a part of this community of faith, you're invited to stick around and to hear um, that communication. Um, I promise you'll be out in plenty of time to get good food for lunch, okay? Uh, so hopefully you will uh, plan on doing that. All right. Let us take a moment to center ourselves and to allow our hearts and our minds uh, to begin to focus on God and God's goodness and God's graciousness. As we gather here, may we be reminded that we have gathered in anticipation and expectation that we will experience the presence of the Spirit on this day in the midst of our gathering. We gather in anticipation that God will continue to shape us and form us so that we can become the people he intended us to be, a people who live and love like Jesus, a people who go forth into the world to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so I invite you to stand as the acolytes come forward to light the candles and remind us of the light of Christ that is indeed among us. Gracious God, just as um, 
these candles have been lit to remind us of your presence among us. May your spirit ignite within us the light of Christ, that as we gather in this space, we might come in expectation and anticipation of encountering and experiencing your presence in new and wonderful ways. In Christ's name, amen. And now let us join our voices together as we sing, I love thy kingdom, Lord. invited to be seated, um, and um, as we prepare for uh, prayers of the people, I'm going to invite you to participate in a different way, uh, but before I do that, um, I just want to offer thanksgiving to, to Kobe and uh, the fact that I was able to get away last week. I, I don't know if you all know, but once a quarter, I take a retreat, um, and part of that retreat is on Sunday at 5 o'clock all electronics, including my cell phone, get shut off. The cell phone goes into airplane mode on Sunday and doesn't get turned back on until uh, Tuesday at noon. And so while Kobe's sharing a message with you about fasting, um, I was fasting from electronics and from being connected to the world um, in, a, in a way to um, just be refreshed and um, renewed. Uh, but as part of that retreat, one of the things that, that we do in our prayer together is the leader will offer up a prayer, and then the leader will say, Lord, in your mercy. And the rest of the congregation responds, hear our prayer, O Lord. So can I just want to practice. So, Lord, in your mercy... There you go. All right. So um, if you will participate in that way as we go to the Lord and offer up this prayer um, so that the prayer is not just a prayer that I'm offering to God on my behalf, but it is a prayer that we offer as a community of faith. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. 
Gracious God, indeed, as we gather in this space, we ask that your Spirit would touch us and fill us and open our minds. Lord, in your mercy, gracious God, as we gather in this space, we, we also come to lift up um, others who are not here. We lift up the many in our congregation who are suffering from sickness and illness, uh, who find themselves in the hospital or in nursing homes. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we also pray for the many within our community um, who this morning find themselves disconnected from you, who find themselves in a place of hurting and brokenness and just need to experience healing and hope. Lord, in your mercy... Gracious God, we lift up to you um, those leaders within our government as they uh, seek to gather and to make wise decisions that you would be in their midst guiding them uh, to make decisions that um, bring peace and offer hope. Lord, in your mercy, we pray, Lord, for those in the United Methodist Church and for the leaders and delegates as they prepare for the General Conference in May, that you would guide them by your Spirit, that you would give them wisdom that um, they might make decisions which are good for the whole church, um, decisions that allow us to honor you in all that we do. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, we ask that you uh, forgive us for the times this week when we have failed to be the people you called us to do, either when we have done things that we know uh, hurt you and disappoint you, or when we have failed to do those things that you have nudged us to do so that we might make a difference or connect with other people. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, help us to lay claim to your forgiveness to know the presence of your Spirit which seeks to heal us and reconcile us rather than to do more harm or to condemn us. Allow us, Lord, to experience your love so that we might share that love with others. Lord, in your mercy, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Open up our hearts and our minds and the very depths of our soul. Continue to shape us and form us and enable us to go forth 
into the community of Cameron, into our neighborhoods, into our families, so that we truly might be the light of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. And now let us join our voices together as we offer up the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's all stand and uh, join our voices together as we sing about our hope, our living hope that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Oh, 
sit down and as the kids come forward turn to somebody next to you and say Jesus is my living hope does he give high fives all right Y'all know what this is? Huh? What? It's a game board. Any of you ever played this game? No? You haven't played this game? Some of you played this game? What's the, what's the goal of this game? Yeah? To get the most money. Right. Isn't it? Y'all play that game? Now, see, they know what they're talking about, right? What's the goal? To get the most money. Thank you, Beckett. Huh. You played that game? I haven't. You haven't. What happens if you get the most money? Um, you probably, I don't know, what do you do when you get the most money? I know what I used to do when I was your age. I got up and went, yay, I won, you all lost. That wasn't very good, though, was it? Huh? I still do that sometimes, don't I? 
Ah, sometimes the two-thirds. No? Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, our family's a little competitive. Um, when we get together, we love to play games, and all games have rules, right? Um, and they tell you how you win or lose, right? Um, so life can be that way sometimes, right? Sometimes we're, we're, uh, we're given this impression in the world there's a certain thing that we do to be successful or to win or to lose, right? And sometimes we live life like we think the goal is to end up with the most money, don't we? Um, but how many of y'all play sports? Okay. Do you, do you play sports? Um, and the goal of playing sports, you hope to win, don't you, when you get done? Right? Um, hopefully that's not the only goal. Um, when I coached my daughter's softball team, the first couple of years I coached them, I think we won maybe one game. And I think the game we won was because half of the other team didn't show up. Um, we, we, we didn't do very well. Um, and yet, each season was a success because, you see, um, it's not just about winning, but it's also about how we win or how we lose, isn't it? Um, and, and you know what? By the time after I coached them for six or seven years uh, with the same core group of folks, when we were finished, our last year that I coached them, I'll get to you in a minute, the last year that I coached them, we didn't lose a game. Now, how do you think we did that? Do you think we did that just by focusing on winning? No, that wasn't it. Now, I know some coaches, the way they did it was they went out and they got the best players off all the other teams so that they ended up with the best players. That's not how we did it. You know how we did it? Teamwork, that's right. We encouraged um, each person to get better and better in learning how to play the game, and we taught everybody that it was a team sport and it was important, okay, um, and we taught everybody that it was important to uh, play your position well, and that when you played your position well, the whole team was better. And so there were some times when we lost, and yet everybody played a good game and we celebrated. There were times when we won the game, but it looked pretty ugly. And so, what, uh, Jesus has written this sermon, has shared this Sermon on the Mount with his first disciples uh, to tell us the way that we live life is important. And sometimes, rather than just living life by the rules that the world tells us, trying to get the most money, or get the best job, or... Um, do whatever it takes to get ahead, even if it means bankrupting other people. Isn't that what you do in Monopoly? You try to bankrupt other people? Um, Jesus says that there's a way to play the game of life, to live life, so that not only do we flourish, but that the world has a better chance of flourishing. And so I share that with you. Um, not because I expect that you understand everything there is to know about following Jesus, but so that you understand that following Jesus is not just about going to heaven or having something good happen to us when we die. It is about learning to live in connection with God here and now so that the whole world has a better chance of flourishing and our lives will deep, be deeper and richer than we could ever imagine if we only play by the rules 
uh, uh, that society tells us to play by. Okay? You get that? That go over your head? You're okay? Maybe. What question did you have? Um, is, is there also a rule how to cheat? Is it what? Is there also a rule how to cheat? Yeah. Oh, is there rules how to cheat? Is that what you said? How to cheat? Yeah. Hmm, you think cheating's a good way to win? No, okay. Yeah. But Oh, you were telling me that some people cheat to win. No, yeah. I was just telling you, are there I was just telling you, are there rules to cheat? I was just telling you. Oh, you're telling me that, so I know that. Thank you. I got you now. Sometimes I'm slow. Is that okay? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, cheating's not the way to win either, right? You can win many different ways. How we, how we play the game's important. Yes, sir. That's it. Yes, ma'am. Is there stuff you can eat candy? Is, <laughs> if you win, you get candy? Is that what you said? Remember that. I like that rule. Because I always win. Oh, wait. Maybe not. The good news is, if we seek to follow Jesus in all that we do, and we try to live according to his ways where we um, love other people and we love God, not only can we win, but other people win. Yes? Believe that? If not, I hope you go into it. Let us pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for uh, this uh, group of kids, and we, we thank you, Lord, for... Uh, the words that you leave to us and the guidance that you give us, not just through your words, but through your spirit, that help us to do life well, seeking to follow you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you all.
Now, when I was growing up, um, uh, we played the game of life. Y'all play the game of life? Um, it, and I think back on that, and I think about what wonderful lessons I learned from that game. Yeah? I mean, you remember that game? You, you, you start out at the beginning, and you could decide to get a career, which was a little bit longer path, right? But you weren't guaranteed that you were going to get that job as a lawyer where you got $50,000 a year instead of that job as a teacher where you were going to get $10,000 a year. Um, and so you had to decide, because there was a bonus for getting to the end first, as I remember. So you had to decide if you want to take that little longer path, or were you going to gamble and go this other way, and, and maybe get a little less money each payday, but get there first, right? Um, and, and so the goal of the game was to get to the end with the most money, uh, but just in case you didn't get to the end with the most money, do you remember what the options were when you got to the end? If you were afraid that somebody else was going to finish with more money than you, you could take everything you had, you could place it on one number, and you could spin the spinner, and if your number came up, uh, you won. Um, if not, you went to the poorhouse where you stayed while you watched everybody else finish the game. Does that sound familiar? And so, you know, so, so what I learned about that was, so if I get a little less money, I need to gamble with it more, so, you know, I need to take a little bit more risk. Um, so that maybe um, I can um, have more money at the end than everybody else. And, and of course, if I got the bigger payday, the goal was to hold on to it and not to spend any of it, right? What wonderful lessons we learned from the game of life. Maybe not. But you know, if we think about it, isn't that often how we live life? Don't we live life by those rules often if we think about it? We, we get in our mind that all of our security and our happiness is all tied up in how much money that we have or what um, status we get to or how many possessions that we have. Don't we? Um, and so while it was a wonderful game to play, I wonder if it didn't mess up my mind. Um, and maybe it's the whole reason we live in this upside-down world is because of the game of life and Monopoly. Well, maybe not. We probably invented those games because we like to play them, huh? Um, so, so um, but, but you see, if we're not careful, if we live life the way we play the game of life or the game of monopoly, intentionally or unintentionally, we find ourselves shaped in a, and formed in a very convoluted way. And in fact, we create a world which I argue is upside down. It is not the way that God intended it to be. And if you don't believe me, Let's see what Jesus has to say. We're going to take a look at chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Here are these words from Jesus. He's in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount, um, and um, he's, just talked about, um, he's just talked about not having this showy religion, not practicing almsgiving or or prayer, or fasting in such a way that we seek to get the praise of other people. And instead we seek to please and to honor God, that our motives be 
um, because we love God and God loves us. And so he continues and he says, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves won't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He continues, the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Even then, the light in you, even then, the light in you is darkness. How terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seeds or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it lives today and tomorrow it's thrown in the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May those with ears to hear, hear the word of God and respond this day. Whew! What do we do with that passage? I, I, I can't uh, begin to dig into the depths of it, but, uh, but I can touch upon the surface of it as we hear these words. Uh, now, and as we begin, you know, I, I think it's important for us to get, you know, I don't think Jesus is saying that uh, we just um, stop working or doing anything like that and um, we just pray and God will take care of us and we don't have to make any effort. I don't think that's the point, the overflowing point. I think uh, the point is, where is our desires and where are our longings? What is it that we think is most important? What is it that we think will make our lives successful? What is it that we think will bring us happiness and contentment? I think that's really the underlying issue that Jesus is trying to get at. But, but you know, Jesus doesn't mince any words here in this sermon, 
He, he says um, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Not where your heart is, there your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, that thing that, that you desire, that thing that you strive after, that you think brings happiness and success, however you might define that, that will be the focus of your heart. And just if there's some confusion, he, he, talk, he, he, he puts this uh, thing in there about a good eye and evil eye that kind of makes us scratch our head, like, what is he talking about? But at the end, he says again, you can't have two masters. You can't serve both wealth and God. And again, I think this example of the eye is he is saying if, if the desire of our eye, if the desire of our hearts and our minds is something good, then that which is in us uh, will be good. But if the desire of our eye is envy and greed and status, then it will create darkness within our whole being. I don't think in the Western world that we necessarily believe that. I think often in the Western church, we have convinced ourselves that we can serve God and we can serve wealth. We can serve God and we can serve the American dream. We can strive after God and we can strive after the American dream and all is well. Don't we? Don't we convince ourselves that we can have it both ways? And Jesus says, no, you can't. Now, I don't know about you. I learned the truth of that the hard way. When I was a teenager, um, I was a part of the youth group, and I, I, I loved God, and, and I wanted to to please God, I wanted to do God's ways. And, and then it got time for me to graduate from high school. Time for me to become a big boy and enter into the world. And my thoughts began to be, so um, let's see, where can I make sure I get a job? What career can I ensure I get a job? What career can I ensure that I make pretty good money? Um, you know, um, I don't, a teacher at $10,000 a year, no, no, the game of life has told me I need to be something where I can get fifty dollars or $60,000 a year. And so in thinking about a career, I didn't even ask myself, you know, how has God gifted me and shaped me? How has God formed me and created me that my gifts... Um, can be used uh, to God's glory. That really wasn't my mindset. And then I took one of these tests in engineering, you know, because I liked math, I liked science, I thought maybe I'll do engineering. I took one of these tests, and, and it said, you'll never make it as an engineer. And so I said, I love a challenge. Oh yeah? I'm going to engineering school anyway. I mean... That's how I chose a career. You, those of you who are closer, don't, don't choose a career that way, okay? <laughs> Do it a little bit better than I did, if you would, okay? Um, 
And, and if you're not convinced of that, come talk to me when you get closer to that time, and I'll tell you a better way to, to choose a career. How's that? And so, you know, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. Um, and, and, and before long, you know, three or four years down the road, um, I had become so disconnected from a body of Christ, I didn't worship at all, much less Christmas and Easter. I'd come so disconnected from God, but I still believed in God. I, I knew that God loved me. But you see, I was chasing the American dream. I, I graduated from college, went to get a master's degree. Um, somewhere along there, I met somebody and married them. Oh, it was Deb, don't worry. <laughs> um, we had kids, we both had careers, we're living in Chicago. Life is good. By standards of the American dream, we had all you need. We had two kids. We didn't have, we had cats too. Yeah, we had animals. We had pets. We had two kids. We had pets. We had a two car garage. Had a house, had a house bigger than my parents were living in after, what, 40 years of working. I mean, our first house was bigger than the house they were living in at the time. Both of us were working. We were. Uh, um, had good jobs, were being promoted, well thought of. Life was wonderful. Not really. The American dream, it was empty. It was empty. The happiness and the contentment and the desires that I, they were not there. All that was there was more anxiety. I think that's what Jesus is saying in this. He, he says, you see, if you seek after those things and you think they're going to bring you happiness and contentment, what you discover is that when you seek after the wrong things, all they do is create more anxiety. Because you know, if we think money and wealth is the most important thing and we chase after wealth, you know what? I have never seen somebody whose sole focus is wealth who says, I got enough. Now, I'm not saying I haven't seen wealthy people that don't say they have enough, but the wealthy people who say that aren't seeking after money for money's sake. Do you hear me? There's a difference. But what I found is that seeking after the American dream instead of seeking after God created more emptiness and more anxiety. And it certainly didn't deliver the happiness and contentment that I so longed for. I don't want anybody else to have to learn that the hard way. I had read these words. Sermon on the Mount. That's just for the super Christian. Jesus didn't really mean it for the rest of us. 
but he did. And he didn't share the Sermon on the Mount just as a way to say, I'm going to make it as hard as I can for you to follow me. He shared the Sermon on the Mount because he wanted us to know the best way to live life here and now. He wanted us to know that the promises of this upside-down world are empty. That they can't deliver on what they promise, and the only one who can deliver on that promise, as part of what Kobe shared with you last week, the only one that can deliver on the promise and give us rewards that are lasting is our Father, our God in heaven, not other people and not the American dream and not this way of life. Jesus invites us to play the game of life a little strangely. Can you imagine getting out the board of the game of life and you are the lawyer? Yes! And every payday, you get $60,000. And you say, oh, here's 10 for you. And here's 10 for you. Whoa. Jesus challenges us to live life in a way that whoever wrote the rules of the game of life would say, that's foolishness. God invites us to live life in a way that we can experience true happiness and true contentment. And I think what he says is, you know what? We're put together in such a way that we, don't, we can't even experience wholeness and contentment until we learn to live generously. That seems so bizarre because the world says, no, 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 no. Learn to accumulate enough for you. And then if you got anything left over, you can give it. Use your resources to make sure you get ahead. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And seek God's justice and righteousness. Seek God's ways. This is Jesus' way of saying, hunger and thirst after righteousness, not after what the world says is the way to success. Hunger and thirst after God's righteousness, after God's justice. Hunger and thirst for God's way. And God's love to be made known in the world in real and tangible ways. Hunger and thirst after it in such a way that you live life differently. You live life in a way that shares that love and that grace and yes, our very resources with other people so that they might be blessed. And God says, Jesus says, trust me. 
And again, I don't think he's saying, trust me, stay at home and watch the chiefs all the time and all will be well. He says, trust me. This is the best way to live life. It's not according to the rules of the game of life or the game of monopoly or the game of the American dream. But it's a way that delivers. It's a way that delivers. And when we learn that, I don't know how we can enter into worship and not be louder than everybody in the chief stadium today, even if we're only one thousandth of what they are. Because when we have learned that, we have the great pearl and we have much to celebrate. And I don't know about you, but I want everyone else to experience it. I don't want them to experience the disillusionment that I discovered when I attempted to worship God and the American dream. Seek the kingdom of God first. Hunger and thirst after His righteousness and His ways. Trust in the Lord and live according to His right-side-up way of living instead of our upside-down way of living so that we might flourish and so the whole world might be more likely to flourish. How are you playing the game of life? What rules are we following as we play the game of life, as we live life together? I invite you, as we uh, begin to prepare ourselves communion, that we ask ourselves that this day. And as we come forward to partake, to commune with God, I hope we will come forward with no desire greater than experience that communion and living in communion with God each and every moment. That's where contentment and happiness and success are found. Amen? I remind you, as we begin to prepare ourselves, that this is not a United Methodist table. Christ welcomes all to this table. You see, it's Jesus who invites you to come. It's Jesus who invites us to commune with Him. I don't know how it works, but somehow in partaking of this mystery, we are invited into this communion that goes deeper than words. It is Christ who invites all to this table. I invite you to join me in the great thanksgiving.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Indeed, it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Oh, Lord, even though we may forget about you and we may walk away from you and we may try to chase after other things, you have always remained faithful to us. You have never forgotten your children and your people and your creation. Even when we chase after those other things, you call us back to yourself. And when we turn, you come running to us with open arms to embrace us once again into your household and your kingdom. And so it is with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Indeed, holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Indeed, Lord, He showed us. He warned us that we cannot serve two masters. And He invited us to put aside everything else that we might follow and to seek Him first hunger and thirst for His righteousness and His ways in our lives as individuals and as a community. By the baptism of His suffering, death, and resurrection, You gave birth to Your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and You made with us a new covenant by water and spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave Himself for us, He took the bread. He gave thanks, and He broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. After the supper, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And so it is in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the great mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Indeed, gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here. Pour out your Spirit upon this gift of bread and cup that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we might be for the world, the body of Christ, filled with His Spirit, redeemed and purified by His blood, hungering and thirsting after His righteousness, seeking to live for others, not just for ourselves. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we join Him at that heavenly feast. 
Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. I invite those who are helping with communion to come forward, please. inviting you to live in communion with him today and always. Body and blood of Christ, inviting you to live in communion with him now and always. Body and blood of Christ, inviting you to live in communion with him now and always. Body and blood of Christ, inviting you to live in union with him now and always. Body and blood of Christ, inviting you to live in union with him now and always. As you take this, may you remember that Jesus loves you now and always, and that he's with you wherever you go, okay? Body and blood of Christ, given to remind you of your communion with him now and always. I suppose I should invite you all to come. The ushers will direct you, but you're invited to come forward. It's Christ who invites you. As you're given a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. Come expecting and anticipating to experience communion with Christ in the midst of this great sacrament.
Oh, gracious God. We thank you for this, this mystery that when we partake, we experience your presence in deep, meaningful ways. Indeed, Lord, having taken of the cup and the bread, may we experience a communion with you that goes beyond words. Grant us that we might indeed learn to trust you and to live according to your ways so that all people might begin to flourish in this upside-down world. In Christ's name, amen. And now stand as we sing. He leadeth me.
hear this blessing. God's Spirit is among us and upon us. And it is God's Spirit and Christ living in us that enable us to live life as He intended it. That enable us to live and to love like Jesus in this upside-down world so that we might make a difference in the lives of other people. Go, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, to live in communion with Christ this day and every day. Amen.